Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writing. We're reading from the New King James Version, and it says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Don't you love that? Be imitators of God as dear children. Just like maybe a little boy is watching his daddy, and he's trying to do exactly what his daddy says. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. Well, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of truth, a God of righteousness. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and and has given us. As Christ also, let me read it again, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He's saying, be like God and be like the Lord Jesus who just laid his life down for us. Let's do that for one another. Verse 3, but fornication, see, he was just talking about loving people, sacrificing for them. And now he's saying, but don't do the things that are good for you, but they hurt and injure yourself and others. But fornication, and that's having sex outside of marriage, before marriage and such. Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Don't even talk about it like that's even a remote possibility that believers should act like that or be a part of that. You know, what's interesting is we live in a day and age where there are people in churches that, you know, couples that are living together, sleeping together, they're not married. And yet people treat this as, well, that's just the day in which we live. But Paul's saying, wait, 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 no. The flesh and sin and lust and disobedience have always been around. But it's never acceptable, and we shouldn't get used to it and just talk about it like it's okay. Now, of course, when people come into the church and they don't know any better, they're not discipled, well, nobody should be getting on anybody's case. We want to teach them the Word of God. We want to help them to understand the ways of the Lord. But once they understand and once they see it in the Scriptures, now they got to make a decision. Do I obey Christ? Do I follow the Lord? Or do I just do what's convenient and act like I don't notice that God told me not to live like that? See, they're going to have to make a decision. And if they make the wrong decision, we shouldn't just be hanging out with them and fellowshipping as if everything's okay. Because the Bible tells us very clearly, people that knowingly walk in these disobedient lifestyles of sexual immorality and such will not go to heaven. I mean, that's clear, even though we're saved by grace. You cannot willfully walk in these blatant sins and expect that God's counting you as if you're a disciple under the lordship of Jesus, see? And so he's saying, let that not even be named among you as fitting for the saints. Why? Because it'll train other people, and especially young people coming up, that, hey, it's okay, you know, you get to make your choice and how you live, and God just loves you and has grace for you, and it's okay. He said, don't even let that be named as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. He said, even be careful when you joke, because we can joke and have fun, but sometimes the jokes go too far, and now you're injuring people. 
coarse jesting, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather do something that is fitting, rather giving of thanks. Now that's fitting. Let's be thankful. Let's be thankful to God. Let's be thankful to one another, etc. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. This is not, uh, this is not incongruent with what he says in Corinthians and Galatians and other places in the New Testament that no, you cannot live those lifestyles willingly and expect to have an inheritance in Christ and even go to heaven. You can't. So he goes on to say, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He's saying, don't let anybody in the church be deceived that you can live like this. He said, because of these lifestyles, because of these kinds of uh, behaviors, the wrath of God is being poured out on the unbelievers. So why would we think that we could do what the unbelievers are being judged for. No, we can't. We were saved out of that, see? And so notice in verse 7, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't be partakers of the sins, and certainly don't be partakers of the judgment that happens. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were once like that. You were in darkness. You didn't understand. But now, you're not like that anymore. You're light. You're in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. I want to touch on this for just a moment. Notice he said the fruit of the Spirit is with all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what's acceptable. There are a whole lot of folks that I've seen that they don't really want to know what the Bible says about their behavior and lifestyle. And even when they kind of have a hint that it, that what they're doing may be wrong, they don't want to research it because they don't want to know the truth. He said, no, don't be like that. Find out what's acceptable. Be one that leans in and says, hey, I want to know, am I doing the right thing here? Because I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want to find out if what I'm doing is acceptable to God. That's a believer. That's a true believer that wants to know the truth and wants to know, hey, if I even if I don't want to change, I want to change because it'll please the Lord and it'll be right with God. And I want to be saved anyway. I want to walk in the salvation of God. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You can't be hanging around people that are walking in this kind of darkness and sin and having fellowship. No. He said, but rather expose it. That doesn't mean just go around humiliating people. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, if there is sin in the body of Christ, in the church and such, he's saying, don't cover it up and hide it and just let it fester and spread. No, he says, we, we, you got to be a part of the solution that helps get that washed away from the body. And of course, you want to do it like he's been saying here, in love. You don't want to destroy people in the process by being the big judger. You know, a lot of people think that God's given me a gift to discern. You know, I've heard so many people say that I have a gift to discernment. We all have uh, an ability to, to discern a lot of things. But we're not to be everybody's judge and just exposing here and exposing there. But what he's saying is don't do a cover-up job and let it fester and spread. 
but be a part of the solution that gets that exposed and washed away, but do it in love in a way that doesn't hurt people unnecessarily. Four, verse 12, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. I think a lot of people are too loose with their tongues and joking and such and just talking about some of the immorality that happens. And you talk about it and you don't realize that your mouth is leading you. Uh, James uh, chapter 3 tells us that your body will follow your tongue. And uh, Paul is here saying it's shameful to even talk about those things, those sins, those perversities that people are doing in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed and made manifest by the light. Let me read it again. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. And he's talking to people that are unbelievers awake, but he's also talking to people that are so-called Christians and may even be believers, but their minds are darkened and they're asleep spiritually. And he's saying, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He'll, he'll, give you, he'll turn the light on so you can understand where you're in error and how you can change this. He goes on in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, redeeming the time. What does that mean? We only have a, a short time to live on the earth anyway. Redeem the time. Walk right. Walk circumspectly, upright, with your head on straight, and redeem the time because the days are evil. These days are evil. You could waste so much time uh, and lose so much traction and progress. He's saying, redeem the time. Take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, use opportunities to catch up lost opportunity or time. Verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine. Oh, this is it. Look at this. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, just a waste. But rather, we, should, we could say, rather be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. See, getting drunk with wine or getting doped up on drugs, well, that's an imitation to what God wants you to do. God wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, man, I just want to drink and forget about my problems. How about being filled with the Holy Spirit and realizing you're an overcomer who will overcome the problems? Talk about joy. Oh, there's a joy that the Bible says is unspeakable and full of glory. And so it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that he's not just resident in your spirit as a born-again believer, but you get filled, your spirit, your soul, your mind, you get filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the whole Spirit, your whole being is filled with the Spirit. You think spirit thoughts. You think like the Holy Spirit. You even feel like the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit with love and joy and peace. And when you're walking as a Spirit-filled person, these spiritual fruits come out of you. They're coming out. And how do we do that? We do that. Well, he's going to tell us. Look at this. Be filled with the Spirit speaking. Be filled with the Spirit speaking. <laughs> A lot of people think you're filled with the Spirit by drinking, drinking, taking something in. And we do need to take something in. But let me tell you, in this New Testament era, we're filled by the, the Spirit speaking. When, when the disciples in uh, Acts chapter 2 were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. 
And Jude, verse 20, says, Beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy, holy Spirit. So he says, But you be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. That would include in other languages, in spiritual language by the Holy Spirit. In spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so by worshiping God, praising Him, thanking Him, you get filled with the Spirit while you're doing that, including spiritual language of singing and giving thanks to God. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ also is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Now, he's talking about some pretty heavy things here, and he's going to talk about some more heavy things when he gets to the husband. But notice even before the wives, it says submitting to one another, that our posture in the body of Christ should be a posture that if anybody says something that's true, maybe even that's a correction for us, to us, of us, what do we do? We submit. We submit. Or if somebody needs some help, they may not be our leader, but we see they genuinely need some help and they say, hey, can you give me a hand? Give them a hand. Submit to one another. See, so even before he talks about wives with husbands, he says, let's all be submissive to one another. Let's all be humble like this. But then he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Because just like Christ is the head of the church, uh, and the church is subject to Christ, so the wives let them be also subject to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word. Now I've heard some uh, people say, man, that, that's a hard one for wives to submit to their husbands. Well, I tell you what, I tend to think it's harder for husbands to love like Christ loved the church. It's, it's easier to submit like the church submits to Christ because the church honestly doesn't do a very good job of that. Uh, but that doesn't mean wives shouldn't. I'm just saying that for Jesus to be the example of a husband, oh, that's a high standard because he's so humble and he's so loving and he's so giving and self-sacrificing. Husbands, love your wife just as wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Notice the words he speaks. He washes away things. Boy, if we're harsh with our wives, then let me tell you, we can cause injury and and cause blemishes and spots and wrinkles, so to speak. Not necessarily physically, but emotionally and mentally and such, psychologically. But he says, speak the word, wash them with the word, encourage them with the word of God, speaking the word to them because you'll wash away. It says uh, that he might wash in by the wash. Let me go back. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, she should be holy and without blemish. He said, husbands, you can do this. You can speak the word of God over your wife, not just in prayer, 
but the way you talk to her. Talk to her as a woman of God. Talk to her as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Talk to her with love and graciousness and overlook the, the flaws and such and encourage her. And what will happen is you'll wash away blemishes and you'll, she'll become strengthened and confident and such. And he said, this is what Jesus does with us. Do that with your wives, see? And of course, he's not saying you individual do it with wives, but you husbands, each of you do it with your own wife. And so he goes on to say uh, that he might, it might be a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. If you bump your arm really hard against the counter, you rub it. Well, if your wife is injured, then care for her. Care for her like you would care for your own arm when you rub it. Be gentle. Caress her, so to speak, even with your words. Protect her and care for her. So no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Let me just tell you quickly. We tell young couples, listen, when you get married, your primary relationship is not mom and dad anymore. Now it's your spouse. And mom and dad is still important, but secondary to your spouse. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. But notice this. He goes on to say, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Christ, the Son of God, left the kind of relationship he had with his Father to make us primary by becoming one with us. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that he's not the Son of God anymore. Well, of course he is. But he, he made us primary. It's bringing this up in this passage that he left his Father to be joined to us for us to become one. And then it goes on to say, this is a great mystery. Well, it is. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What a powerful chapter, I tell you. Lord, help us to do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.